Welcome to the One Life Maps podcast. Here's your host and co-author of Listen to My Life, maps for recognizing and responding to God in my story, Sharon Swing. Greetings, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the One Life Maps podcast. This is Sharon Swing, and today my guest is Crystal Evans Hurst. Welcome, Crystal. Hi, thanks for having me, Sharon. Thanks so much. Well, what all of you missed was a really good conversation before we started to hit the record button, uh, but we're so glad that uh, we can pick it up from here. Crystal, you know, your, your bio is just delightful. It starts with, Crystal Evans Hurst is an energetic, life-loving girl next door who loves encouraging others to fulfill their potential in Christ. With humor and vulnerability, Crystal tells it like it is, but does so with grace, integrity, and love. I, I, I love that bio, by the way, just saying. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and it says that uh, you're the best-selling author, author of She's Still There and Kingdom Women. And you have a podcast. What's the name of your podcast, Crystal? It's the Crystal's Chronicles podcast. Awesome. And you have a new book coming out. Tell us when and what the title is. Sure. It's the 28-Day Prayer Journey, and it will be released everywhere books are sold September the 1st, 9-1-20. Oh, well, congratulations on another book release. Thank you. And uh, looking forward to seeing it in print. I've got the PDF version, advanced copies, so um, it has been a, a joy to read, uh, to get partway through it before we've done this interview. So one of the questions I love to ask people before we start is, what is a is a an experience of God where God was particularly tangible for you? You know, I was in college, I was twenty um, ish, and I um, don't know why I was crying out to God in my kitchen. Um, I just remember being so overwhelmed and overcome by his presence. Um, That marked me. It marked my uh, belief that God can be near. Um, There have been plenty of other times where God has not felt near, you know, where I'm crying out to God and I'm like, where are you? But in that moment, I had that experience and that experience has kind of set the foundation for that belief system that allows me now to keep um, talking to him, reaching out to him, um, crying out to him if need be, and knowing that he hears and trusting that truth, even if I don't have an answer, even if I'm not exactly comforted in the moment, um, even if I still feel alone, I believe that he's there, which keeps me coming back to him. So that experience for sure marked me in that way. Oh, thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, I think those are so important for us to, it's almost like they become an anchor. So even if God doesn't feel near, we know he is, we just haven't been able to access the feeling of late, but that trust definitely gets built. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beautiful. What about your perception of God over time, especially related to prayer, since that's the topic of your book? Um, how has your prayer life changed over time? And is it related to how maybe your picture of God has changed over time? Sure. I, I think that um, over time, I certainly see why people can get skeptical. And then they think that their belief in God, um, decision to pray, 
their um, understanding of spiritual things, why it would shift when their reality doesn't match up to their expectation based on the systems that they have or had been taught over time. My mom died in December, the, uh, in 2019, December 30th, so just eight months ago. And um, thank you. Um, and I think it has never been more, uh, more palpable than then as to how you can question God at such a deep level when there's a disconnect between what you believe, what you expect, and what happens. And so many people I know, like me, um, have had that experience where they prayed hard and prayed hard for something and it didn't happen. And so then commences the questions. Where were you? Where are you? Did you hear? Are you even real? Is everything that I've ever believed about God and that whole system of beliefs, is it believable? Do I still set my sights of which faith is such a large part of my life on something that I have huge questions about? Um, am I what people that are agnostic, atheists who don't believe what they called, uh, what, what they would call a non-thinking individual? Am I just believe the fairy tale that I've ever been told? I mean, when you have something rock your world that rocks a belief system, and it doesn't have to be that you prayed for something you didn't get. It could be that you got something you never prayed for in the most negative of senses, that if there is a God, how could this have happened to me? If there is a God, how could someone have been so cruel to me, so abusive to me? Uh, why did this accident happen or this whole circumstance? You know, why, why, why me? And, and those questions are my reality right now. I have said to God, uh, many times over the last eight months, you're the only hope I know because the alternative to that, and not that I'm avoiding the alternative, but the alternative to that, which is that we all stop consciousness at some point and completely cease to exist and that the only things that matter are what we did while we were here and what people remember or benefit from after we're gone. And that's it. That's really depressing to think about. <laughs> But the bigger issue is the story, the words written in the Bible about Jesus, about his life, death, and resurrection are actually believable. They actually are reasonable. It's a reasonable faith that can be a thinking faith. And I go back to that, like literally, I go back to Case for Christ, Lee Strobel, and think through the tangible evidence of a man born, um, lived, and died and said, this is believable. And in the moments where my experience says, do I believe? I come back to a thinking faith and I say to God many times, you're the only hope and the only help that I know. And so I choose to claim, to stake my claim on the belief that I've had all of my life that as I've grown has become a thinking faith when my heart and my soul and my experience would cause me because of hardship and difficulty to question. And I think that's the choice we all have to make. What role will faith have and continue to have in our life and in our stories, particularly when our stories have bumpy spots? Right. Because they all do and they all will. 
But what do you do with faith when that happens? And that's kind of where I am now, just being totally honest. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's so related to the answer, your response from the first question in terms of that combination of, of, of needing those moments where you feel it deeply, where you experience it real time, because of the fact that it needs to be in combination with the thinking faith so that we can sustain the hills and the valleys, the experiences of life. So true. When I look at the Psalms, it makes me know that I'm not the only person. I mean, the Psalms are riddled with, they've of course writing so many of them, the majority of them, it's riddled with, oh God, you've been good. This is awesome. And then it's riddled with, where are you? Are you kidding me? How could you let this happen to me? Are you going to really let me be um, the person that everybody ridicules for believing in you? Because where are you? I don't see proof of your existence. I don't see proof of your goodness. But the thing about David, and one of the reasons why I love latching on to his emotional journey, makes me feel like my own is, is relevant and real, is that he kept coming back. He kept coming back. Uh, you know, in First Samuel, Samuel is told to arise and go anoint this young man who has a heart after God. And then in Acts, I believe it's 1322, um, God refers to David after man, as a man after his own heart. And in between, there was a whole lot of foolery. There was murder. There was adultery. There was inconsistency. There was emotional roller coasters. But when I look at that story, I think what kept that man after God's heart is that he kept coming back with the authentic, real, emotional um, belief and question, but he kept coming back. He kept mm -hmm. turning towards God. And so that's, I think, what so much of my story is. It is the, I'm having a hard time in college and I turn towards you and I meet you. I'm having a hard time 30 years later and I have the opportunity to meet you. Um, but that requires that I keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And if I walk away in cynicism and bitterness or in disbelief, I may feel better about resolving those questions with no answer, but it still brings me no resolve. So I would rather give myself the opportunity to experience resolve because I keep coming back and that's where I am right now. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so woven into this 28 day prayer journey, you had a reason for yourself to do this journey, which started on Instagram. So what did you need that prompted you to invite other people to pray with you for 28 days? Consistency. <laughs> I've never had any problem coming to God, but um, doing it consistently, I mean, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And obviously that doesn't mean nonstop every day, all day. Um, but if you say to somebody about a relationship that you have, that's a good relationship. And okay, with my mom, we talk all the time. Is that what I literally mean? No. If you're in a dating relationship and y'all are on the phone nonstop, well, do you really mean nonstop? No. What you mean is that the lines of communication are always open and we are constantly in touch as the ebb and flow of our day um, happens. 
And, you know, any girl who's ever dated a boy knows this to be true. Um, I mean, I was in high school and my father would come in and say, are y'all still on the phone? Yes, we're on the phone. Were we doing anything? No. Maybe we'd watch a show, you know, just holding the phone because the goal is lines of communication being open. When I dated my husband, um, I just remember I had a cell phone and while we weren't on the phone all the time, you know, it was just, if anything notable happened, it was a text. You know, if I'm getting ready to leave work, hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm getting ready to work, just call them to see what you're doing. It was just lines of communication. And when you think about our communication with God being based in a relationship with God, well, are the lines of communication always open? Is he aware of the ups and downs of your day? And that will only happen if you're consistently coming to him in prayer. And that's where I was struggling. Big problems, big prayers. Um, exciting moments, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. It's like a football game. You're, you're not happy or excited until you're losing or you're winning. But in the meantime, you know, are you watching? Are you paying attention? Are you aware of the statistics? And that's what consistency with prayer, that's where I needed it so that I could have that ongoing ebb and flow of communication and not just the sensational level of communication. So how did you structure it? Well, I said 28 days, seven days a week, four weeks. It's about a month. And then I wanted to remember the parts that are important in any relationship, being thankful, um, saying you're sorry when needed, speaking up for what your needs are, and then also being willing to um, take second place and to yield if there's something that's more important than you. These are principles of great relationship. And that is modeled for us in um, the prayer that Jesus modeled for the disciple. So I used the acronym at the time. I used TRY, T-R-R-Y, TRY to pray. Thanksgiving and praise, repentance, your request, and yielding. And this book, I've used the same idea, but we've used pray, praise and giving thanks, repenting, asking, and yielding. And the idea is that any good relationship is not a good relationship. If you don't every now and then say thanks, and it's not a good relationship if you always have to be first. Sometimes you have to yield. And it's not going to be a good relationship if that person doesn't know what you need. And it's not going to be a great relationship if you never can say you're sorry, because we all do something that's wrong. And what I did is say, we're going to walk through, I'm going to walk through these parts of prayer throughout these weeks. Every day I posted on Instagram. This is back when Instagram used to be chronological. Um, I would post a prayer six times a day. When you wake up, mid-morning, afternoon, uh, late afternoon, evening, and before you go to bed. So my thought was, if I'm writing it that often, and people are looking at it that often, at least it will prompt them to remember to pray beyond the three times a day that we eat. Um, now the promptings are three times a day, because in a book, it's hard to open the book six times a day. Uh, but the goal is just to remind you and to give you, for me, it was to remind me to pray. So I would write my prayers out and then share them. But I followed that rhythm. It was, let's start the day with Thanksgiving. Let's see, is there anything that we've done to be offensive? Say you're sorry. And we just follow that path um, every day for 28 days. Yeah, and there's, for example, one of the evening inspirations, it starts with a quote. And this particular one, I, I really appreciated um, a quote by uh, Dave Willis, a pastor. It says, if God answered all your prayers, would the world look different or just in your life? Very convicting. Yeah, it's like, and so you write, ouch, convicting. Which, which makes me think about this concept of our prayers. They're usually, for those of us who don't have consistent ongoing communication, we're usually one-sided, fairly selfish, and I need it, and I need it yesterday. 
-hmm. And really, are the things that I'm asking for limited to what I need and what I want? Or am I including the needs of other people? And when I saw that quote, that's how it struck me, which made me think, who can I pray for? It made me more intentional about trying to add in other people into my consistent communication with God. So the 28-day prayer journal is, is a, it's, it gives structure to help yes. us to pray in those different ways. Yes. Pray consistently um, three times a day. And it, there's these short, what would you say, you know, less than a page um, like many devotions, many encouragements. Yeah, many it's, encouragements that then kind of hand it over to you to write in the book. Yes, that's right. And I want to give you enough to think about where you don't have to start from scratch, but I don't want to pray for you. Mm-hmm. I want this to be a practical guide to help anybody who picks it up pray for themselves. That, and that's what I did online on Instagram. I literally would give a thought and then start a prayer like a one-sentence thing and then let you fill in the blank. So it's been kind, of, been kind of fun to see people really benefit from that because as I'm sure you know, sometimes you put work into the world and you cross your fingers and you hope that it's helpful. You know, it's helpful to me. Is it helpful to you? And over these weeks and years, and um, it, it has been. And so I'm glad to put that in a form for other people to take advantage of. Yeah, and, and you've, you've, throughout the book, the added bonus to the structure and the, and the consistency of um of prayer and help or these these thoughts and then these quotes that you've picked up along the way that you've dropped in here that uh is more than just it's a uh, here's another one i'm not in control but i am deeply loved by the one who is that's uh glenn pacium would that be how you pronounce his name i believe so and 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 so what does it mean to yield and, and so to be able to just put yourself in a position to be loved and to not be in control yeah. is the prompt on that day. I just, the, there's just all these little nuggets that, um, I mean, if you chose to, you could write whole paragraph, you could write whole chapters on each one of them, but yeah. instead you kind of give us a little package enough to prompt thought and then immediately turn around and apply it to what's happening in our lives and the people around us and how we can bring that to God. So I really appreciated the, the brevity, the content, the structure. It's just so, it's such an invitation. And, you know, with what we do with in life mapping, our subtitle is recognizing and responding to God in my story. It's like, okay, what else is there to the spiritual life than that? And this sets people up to be able to do that. It's a, it's a good companion for anybody that's involved with uh, doing life mapping and, and the kinds of things we do around here. So I understand you had some experience with, uh, with Listen to My Life. Do you mind saying a few words about that? Yeah, I, I, I don't mind at all. There is, a, a, I'm new, I have been new to this whole idea. What is a spiritual director and <laughs> And what does that mean? And how is this different than counseling? And I mean, I was like, there's a whole world of this stuff. I had no idea existed. A a girl who was working for me 10 hours a week, she was in seminary. Um, I was trying to find a Bible study to do with a group of girls. And she said, well, it's not a Bible study, but I think it would be great because all of the girls you're talking about know Jesus and they've done a million Bible studies. It would be different for them to 
connect spiritually with their stories. And she had worked for a spiritual director. And she said, this lady has introduced me to this mapping program. And she said, would you like to take a look at it? And I said, sure. And um, so because I was in, introduced to it that way, I did it with a group of girls. I did it for the first time as I did it with them. And the shocking thing for me, who's a fairly authentic and transparent person most of the time, was how there were things in my story that I was still attached to, locked to, held back by, that I just hadn't taken the time to think about. We're so anxious to like move on, you know, and get to the next thing, not realizing how even the hard things, but the good things and the hard things, that in remembering them, taking stock of them, and looking for God in them because he's been with us the whole time, how it gives you a picture of not who you were, but who you are becoming and where you're going. But it, it was, in, they were simple, yet extraordinarily deep and meaningful exercises that helped me to unlock not only parts of my story that I was trying, probably hard not to remember, but also parts of my story that served me well now. And I had not given those things credit. I had not given God credit for how he actually can do what he says in Romans 8, 28, which is to cause all things to work together. Because if he does, then why was I hiding part of my life away and not recognizing the beauty? So that was my journey and um, I really enjoyed it and look forward to doing it again. Well, I'm, I'm glad it didn't. Yeah, the, the verse, all things work together for good for those who love Christ and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't make any sense until you've processed your story. Exactly. It's like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> this yeah. verse is, is kind of the response that you can have until you start to, to pull those pieces apart. And also something about the sharing of it. Wouldn't you agree that, that there's something about that we can recognize it ourselves, but we can still feel shame about it. But then when we're, when we're in front of compassionate listeners, there's something about that transference of God's grace to us that just gets in the mix and, and is a definite part of the healing. Well, when you think about it, I mean, the Bible tells us to talk. Now, that doesn't mean you have to tell everybody everything all the time. No, please But not. It, it does say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I mean, mm -hmm. is, is it not enough just to know that you're redeemed? Why, why is there that call to let that truth cross your lips or confess your sins one to another. Okay, well, I said I'm sorry to God. Why do I have to actually share it with somebody else? It's because I believe that, you know, God gave us all of our senses to make sure that we are fully engaged in our lives. And if things happen to us, through us, for us, internally only, while we can be aware that it happens, the reality of it happening um, is it fully acknowledged until it crosses another sense or more than one sense, you know? I mean, that's, I'm, I'm no counselor, I'm no coach, but that's been my experience is it comes alive when you say it. It comes alive when you write it. It comes alive when you feel it because so many of us spend so much energy stuffing our feelings that it's not until the tears fall that we actually are reckoning with the hard thing or with the happy thing. Mm -hmm. um, I've had so many people say to me, how are you really doing? Because COVID-19, my mother dies, my sister has cancer removed from her lung, and then within two months, then we have COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, 
and we, in our church, who had not been online before, full on goes into online weekend broadcasting. And my job at my church, I have like five jobs. My job at my church is to assist my father, which is all, it, everything I do for him is in that last line and any and other all thing, you know, that last catch all line. And so live streaming meant um, Crystal be at this meeting. Crystal help me do this service. Crystal, um, will you be the welcoming committee on stage this Sunday? And I would have people um, saying to me, are you okay? Because then I went live every day for six weeks and you know, all these crazy things that a lot of us did during quarantine trying to get our feet up under us. And I kept saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And it's not that I wasn't fine, but there was a reckoning of what was still hard, what was still raw, what was still very real, what I wasn't really thinking about deeply every day, but I only had that reckoning when I paused and felt it, let the tears fall, when I was honest about God and some of the things that I you know, you, you hesitate to say because you don't want people to think you're questioning God. But I was. And it wasn't, there was a freedom on the other end um, of the tear. Free, a freedom on the other end of the honesty. A freedom on the other end of the shaking my fist at God and you got this one wrong. Um, and we don't want to feel that. We don't want to go through it. But it's not until it fully crosses your senses. Um, I mean, you, you see this when a mom has a baby that she didn't want or that she's going to, you know, that she's going to give away. And you've seen it in movies where they'll say, look at your baby, look at her. It's the senses being engaged in an experience and we can shut ourselves off from that. And that's what I've learned to do. So um, having that cross my lips um, helped me to see. It helped me to see that one of the main reasons why I'm extremely empathetic and, um, and I'm not a naturally empathetic person, but why I'm empathetic to people who have been in church who have to hide their stories because they don't think they will be accepted if people knew. Mm -hmm. um, that one of the reasons why I'm a safe place to land for a lot of those stories is because I've been in need of that safe place to land and didn't realize how much I was not walking in authentic crystal because I had to hide and coming out of hiding started with me confessing some things from my lips. So. And that is, we get to confer grace, God's grace to one another by being present when those things come out. It is an amazing and beautiful transaction that can happen. We make rules for our lives based on the worst things that have happened, you know, how to yeah. protect ourselves. Yes. And so everything within us is kind of just reeling against the idea of coming out of hiding. And, um, you know, it takes you right back to the Garden of Eden. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, he, you know, hiding and, and, and God says, where are you? He knows full, where, full well where they are, but he's calling him out, calling him out of hiding. And because uh, there's something he wants to do in the midst of it. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, we are definitely creatures of, of hiding. We can even hide from ourselves pretty well. And we can be really good at it. Very good. Because what so, made Adam and Eve think that he couldn't find them? What made Adam and Eve think that all this time that they had been naked and unashamed, that the leaves were actually protecting God from actually <laughs> seeing what he'd created? We create these scenarios 
about all of these false ways that we can offer protection when in reality, all we're doing is constructing barriers to the truths and to our experiences with God that actually do grant us freedom. Yeah. So it's this, it's this false, falsely placed effort to protect that does nothing but create barriers from the very one who offers us protection. It's this backwards Christian soldier thinking, but in the church, so many people are so good at it and don't realize how harshly that means they're living their own lives unnecessarily. Say more about the Christian soldier piece. (laughs) Well, you know, religious services, backgrounds, stories, experiences are a construct. And a measure of that construct comes, of course, from what we are, we are commanded in the word to do, and what church is supposed to be. But getting back to the Garden of Eden, God told Adam and Eve, let them rule. Enjoy it. Don't eat from that one tree. Everything else, just enjoy it. And I often think about that. Why did he have to tell them to rule? It's very clear. I mean, you know, Adam and Eve had already named the animal. I mean, Adam had already named the animals. He was in process. It's almost like, We need to undergird this truth that you're free. There are certain things you're not free to do, but everything else, you're free. And it has become Satan's job to point out to us as believers what we can and can't do. And we've taken that on too, I think, in the church. And so we have so many people living unfree, but not because there are boundaries given by God, because there are these constructs given by people that again, make us feel safe. If we can create the boundary, if we can create the covering, if we can create the clothing, if we can create the rule, if we can create the liturgy and you cross the line, something's wrong with you. When in reality, there are very few things that God has said we can't do or we shouldn't do. Actually, the only reason he said that is because you won't be free if you do that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You just won't be free if you do that. So please don't do that. You put so yourself in a lot of angst. Other people will get hurt. It'll be a mess. Please don't do those things. Yeah. And like, even with what you're saying and how you're saying it, I think even in the ways that we try to help each other out, we don't say, please don't do that. This is something that God has put up in your life as a boundary so that you can be blessed. But here's what we do. Did you do that? What's your label? Where are you coming from? What's your sin? Because we need to know how to categorize you so that we can decide what we do with you. And the whole time, God has never been like, give me the list of things that you did wrong. It's just, please don't do that. And even when he was coming after God in the garden, or the Adam and Eve in the garden, where are you? Who told you? That's not how often in the Christian soldier construct we come after people. Yeah, and the Christian soldier soldier context that it also has a ring of um, of buck up, just do it, just do it, and do whatever you have to do to fit, to not be labeled, to not be hurt, and so we run around hiding from ourselves and other people. And um, I think when you decide to listen to your life, and when you decide to be honest with God you're able to now walk in the freedom that he was offering the whole time. Yep. 
That's that's exactly exactly it. I mean, it's so much more about freedom and oneness than it is about what do you want to call a sin and what and what not. It's like, no, fight hard for your freedom. Fight hard yeah. to keep your freedom. You were yeah. born into it. It's your birthright. <laughs> it's yes. And, and this yeah. is this is the way toward life, the life that is truly life. Yeah. And, oh my goodness, yes, this is so true, and it is. Uh, it's an amazing thing to be able to uh, hold that thought as you move into prayer, in a way that that changes the picture of who God is. I mean, I grew up with a, a cosmic line judge as my picture of God telling me if I was in or out of bounds because that's kind of the picture that I was handed and in different ways, shapes, and forms. Nobody ever said that that's what God was, but that's kind of how he came off through the lips of other people. And, um, and it's so different than that. We just keep being invited into freedom and this thing about prayer and and, and, all the, and all the questions that are raised, unanswered prayer, or maybe they are answered, but it's just yet to be resolved. Or sometimes it's just because it didn't turn out the way we wanted it. But sometimes the way we wanted it is actually against the kind of the, the, the way God set things up to work. And it doesn't make it any easier that that's the way the world works, but it is. <laughs> you know? It is certain cycles of life happen and and all and we don't like it yeah and um it's it's really it's it's hard and it's difficult and we really against god and it's just like he just wants to be with us in the pain and and the, the just the gifts of community to be able to be let the spirit somehow in me comfort the spirit in you <laughs> And for us to be able to to share those things together and say, yes, this is the human condition and this is the the way the world works and we wish it were different. So anyways, Crystal, I know we're about out of time here, but I just want to thank you for the conversation. I'm so blessed by us being able to talk today. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. The blessing is all mine. It's such a treat to be oh, with you. Say again the name of your book and how people can get a hold of it? Yes, it is the 28-Day Prayer Journey. It's anywhere books are sold. And if you just need a landing spot, you can go to crystalevanshurst.com forward slash pray. Everything is there, including links of different retailers to take advantage of the, of the book. And who's your publisher? Sandra. Awesome. Yes. Publishers always like it when we mention them. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Once again, hey, would you like to pray for us as we continue today? Go ahead. Lord Jesus, you are always there for us. And sometimes we don't take advantage of the privilege that we have to have ongoing communication with Father God of the universe, the powerful Holy Spirit that resides within in Jesus Christ, the one who, was came, who came to earth, who was born, uh, mistreated, who died a horrific death, but with us on his mind the whole time. And you, oh God, are inviting us into relationship 
not because you need us, because you are satisfied by community in and of yourself, but because you're inviting us into the beauty that we can know as communication with God. Thank you so much that you are always listening, that you are always available to hear us when we call, that you tell us to cast our cares on you, First Peter 5-7, because you care for us, that we know that you are Jesus at the right hand of the Father, um, interceding for us, that you understand who we are, how we're made, how we're functioning because you were flesh like us, and all of these things that go into you being um, a father who's listening, who wants to talk to us and have us talk to you. Forgive us for not doing so more often or with greater consistency. And Lord, I just ask right now for, for those who are wanting more, wanting more of you, wanting a greater sense of your presence, wanting a greater ability to experience you in their everyday lives. Lord, I just pray right now that you would allow them to be willing to do what it takes to make space to talk to you, knowing that you are always ready, ready and waiting. And then Lord, I ask that when we do this and do this with consistency, trusting that you listen when we speak, that we would also listen when you speak through your word and in our hearts, and that this would just be the beginning of so many people saying, you know what? When I decided to talk to God, he was there. He answered. He's real. And uh, whatever we have to do in our lives to yield to that process, help us to be able to do that. We're grateful. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Thanks so much for your time. And hopefully we'll have the opportunity to talk again soon. Yes, that'd be great. Thank you so much. It's good to meet you, Shane, in person. Virtually in person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bye-bye. This podcast is sponsored by OneLifeMaps.com, creators of unique visual life mapping materials titled, Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story. Go to OneLifeMaps.com to purchase your Listen to My Life portfolio of visual life maps. While you're there, check out our upcoming virtual coaching groups, live workshops, and options for you to facilitate the Listen to My Life experience with others. That's OneLifeMaps.com. O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You can help support this podcast and the work of One Life Maps by supporting us on Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com slash onelifemaps to pledge $5 or more per month and get weekly audio meditations to help you recognize and respond to God in your story. Thank you for tuning in to the One Life Maps podcast. Until next time, make the most of this one life that you've been gifted. Thank you.